Welcome to Wise and Nice, a true crime podcast with your hosts Danny Armstrong and Kelly Lee. Please remember that we mean no disrespect to anyone mentioned in this episode or across any of the Wise and Nice platforms. We have an interest in true crime and related topics, and whilst we may offer our own personal views on certain items, it is meant to be educational and as light-hearted as possible. The information we present is collated from research gathered from the internet, and we reference and credit our sources wherever possible. If you've liked what you've heard and want to join in with us, follow us on our socials, Instagram, Wives and Knives the Pod, Twitter, at Knives Wives, and Facebook, Wives and Knives Pod. We also have a little website where we post photographs and other information about the cases that we research. And this is wivesandknives.wixsite.com forward slash my site. Hello and welcome to Wives and Knives. Hello everybody. Hope you're all well out there. Yeah. Sorry, was I supposed to say something? I don't know, you kind of do the intro, don't you? Yeah. You, you lead the intro as a rule, so... Just got be. Um, I did not say that. <laughs> so how have you been this week, Kelly? Yeah, not not bad. Can't complain. Um, I was just telling you about my uh, shed debacle, wasn't I? Yeah. Found a fecking wasp's nest in my shed and had to burn it to the ground. No, I didn't really. No. No. But yeah, it has been eradicated uh, and the shed is uh, safe once more. Good, good. So, um, I binge watched the final part of Ozark on Friday. Have you ever watched Ozark on no, Netflix? No, I don't know what it is. It's, it is. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. But then I was just like, you've killed off my favourite character. You, you'll love it actually because it's a completely disappointing ending <laughs> so you, you'd be fully like I was just like I wanted it to go one way and it didn't and I was just like ah oh, for god's sake once again <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else ah uh, well uh, actually we had a lovely I meant to mention this last week we had a lovely email from a listener uh, you were yes, I forwarded it to you didn't me. I um, just saying he really enjoyed the Claudia Lawrence episode. So thanks, Ewan. Lovely to hear from you. Um, I've been having a few conversations with another listener this week regarding the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case, which yeah. I mentioned you've not really been following it. How have you that much? No, not until you mentioned it last week and I have yeah. been paying more attention. What do you, what are your thoughts? I'm so excited for the Netflix documentary. <laughs> I'm like I don't normally but I've been like really watching court TV really oh my god her lawyer is just honestly and Johnny Depp's like responses I'm just like is this for real or am I you know am I dreaming it's just so comical yeah like the clips that I've seen like they almost look staged they're so funny exactly but like if it's not funny no it's not but oh yeah, so hi Beth, hope you're well. Uh, as I said, we've been chatting about that uh, in, in length this week. Um, so if anyone's got any opinions on it, let us know. Um, another case that's been like kind of prevalent around here is the Katie Kenyon case. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I've been following that case and um so heartbroken for her family. Yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Katie went missing Um about a week, I don't know, a week ago now, yeah, something like that. that. Um, 
she's a 33 year old um, woman quite local to here and um, someone has been arrested and the body has been found and it's all very sad really it is yeah yeah but um i am not like impressed seems like a stupid word to use but like there's been such fast movement on this case yeah they arrested someone so quickly and um obviously there's not many details that have been disclosed or anything like that and i wouldn't want to um surmise especially about something so active at the moment but i'm glad that um the perpetrator has been apprehended so quickly yeah yeah like you said thoughts you know with her family at this really sad time yeah definitely it's um it's heartbreaking and a lot of the areas that have been like searched and um like Todmorden and the places connected to the case are places that I know quite well yeah so I think things do um, hit that little bit harder when they're so close to home they do and we're actually quite close to home this week to be fair um nice little segue thanks uh, so yeah this week we are in Lee which is near Wigan and um, I had an ex-boyfriend in Lee and ah. also my um like one of my best friends lives in Lee as well. Mm-hmm. Liam, if he's oh yeah, listening. he is a sporadic listener of us. Yeah, um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, when uh, I was uh, yeah. So oh. Liam lives in like Lee Lee, mm. and the guy I went out with lived in Pennington, which is just well. Are we getting even? Close? You are getting oh, even closer. Yeah, well, Pennington's uh, there's some really nice uh, sort of area to walk around Pennington, Pennington Flash. Flash. I've yeah. walked around there many times, had an ice cream. Oh. Um, just a slight segue but quite funny. That particular boyfriend pushed me so hard on a swing at Pennington Flash and he thought I was having a good time but I wasn't. It was one of those circular swings, you know, that kind of spins uh, around. Yeah. And I got up and I had to throw up in the public toilets because I was travel sick from a swing. Wow. And it, like, obviously I wasn't a child. This was like, it's probably about <laughs> 10 years ago, something like that. But there we go. There you go. Right, well, okay. I'm, I am I don't really know how to link that together with you puking on a swing. But um, yeah, anyway. As I said, this week we're in Lee, which is near Wigan. And you know I love a local case. Um, but this is a super sad but super interesting one. And it's the case of Lisa Hessian. Now this case is huge, it's very well known in the local area, it was and You is, say that and I'm like, what? It, it, everybody in Lee knows about this case. Um, it was and is covered widely and fairly regularly in the local press. Uh, the Manchester Evening News mainly, I think they do a, like they do um, an article every year like around the anniversary or around Lisa's birthday. Um, they have, they did do a good piece like not too long ago. So um, I would, I'll put the links in the sources as usual, but it's well, worth, worth to read. Um, there is a really good Facebook group, which is run by Andrea and Ryan, and it's called Justice for Lisa Hessian. Uh, you should check it out. It's a really like well-run, really good group, lots of sources. I've been a member for a while now. Um, have you, I take it you haven't from what you just said, I was just going to ask you, had you heard of Lisa Hessian and the case? No, not at all. I don't know why, um, given you've just told me it's so 
well documented. But I do have a very narrow view, don't I? <laughs> I seem to know about a, a lot about very niche, niche things. Yes, you do. And then things that everyone's like thinks common knowledge have just completely passed me by. True, but you do, you are open to. I imagine that you will look into this after. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and who knows? As we go through it, you may have heard bits. We'll see. Mm. But let's get into it. So, um, Lisa Jane Hessian was born on the twelfth of April, nineteen seventy, to Mum Christine. Uh, Lisa was actually raised by her mum and her grandmother Ellen, and the family lived together on Bonniewell Road in Lee. Now, Lisa had a modest, happy childhood. Um, She was a well-liked and popular girl. She attended the local primary school and then later went on to attend Bedford High School. And she was like a promising student, a keen athlete. She was a member of Lee Harriers and she was a talented gymnast. Have you heard of Lee Harriers? Oh, there you go. Okay. So I've heard um, Lisa described as being a bit of a tomboy. But I think that's because she had short hair and she was quite sporty. Like, yeah, you know that, I mean? that was really it. Um, I do want to go on a two-second tangent here because I want to pay homage to Lisa's hair because, like, she was a bonny girl and she was blessed Is with it like, like yours. I could only wish to aspire. Okay, that, that's where my little love is coming from uh yeah really bonny girl and she was blessed with like thick naturally curly hair but she had it cut short Mm. and it's just the coolest 80s hairdo like i absolutely love it amazing it's so cool i um i'll put a picture of her uh, as usual um but yeah anyway lisa had cool hair Uh, She had a boyfriend called Craig Newell. He was 16 and, you know, she was like living her best life, really. On Saturday, the 8th of December, 1984, 14-year-old Lisa excitedly started to get ready. So it was coming up to Christmas and the schools would be breaking up soon. And she had been invited to not one, but two parties that night with like more invites for dues in the coming weeks. Um, One of the parties was with the Lee Harriers and another was a small house party at a friend's place on Lee Road, which is approximately two miles from Lisa's home. So Lisa chose to to attend the house party where her boyfriend was going and her mum, Christine, agreed that she could go, but she had to promise to be home by 10.30. Her normal curfew was like nine o'clock, but this was Christmas. It was a special do. So knowing um so they'd made like an agreement that if she came home by ten thirty, she could go to the school disco which was in a couple of days right but if she didn't then you know she'd be in trouble and she wouldn't be allowed to go she's 14 at this time she is and it's 1984 so dressed for the party in her outfit of a striped t-shirt skirt white boots and a velvet jacket Lisa said goodbye to her mum and nan and at about 6.45 left for the party and she had a really good time with her friends at this party and at quarter past ten she said goodbye to her boyfriend Craig, gave him a kiss at the, at the gate and um, you know said bye to the rest of the party goers, all of which were guys um, and she left the house to start the walk home. So remember it's about two miles away from her home on Bonniewell Road and this is on the other side of town so her retu- her return walk like takes Lisa straight through Lee Town Centre. Yeah. 
And like Lee Town Centre is much like a lot of, I would say, northern town centres. So it's like essentially like one long stretch of road yeah. and it's got like little it's got alleyways. Like a going off it. Yeah, like little alleyways and ginnels sort of shooting yeah. off it. Um, but it's a well lit area. So, uh, yeah, there's like plenty of shops, like businesses, a few pubs dot- dotted along. Um, but it's a well-lit area, and at that time of night, there would have been, like, people milling around, you know, like, yeah. coming out of pubs and stuff. Um, so Lisa made her way through the town centre and onto St Helen's Road, and she was seen at this point, like, uh, on her own, passing a chippy before turning into Book Street. At this point, Lisa is just, like, a few minutes' walk from her house. But sadly, she never made it home. Now, Christine was instantly worried. And, like, she knew that it was out of character for Lisa. So she began, like, ringing her best friend um, and, like, a few other people. Yeah. Trying to locate her. I think at this point she did actually just go and have a little wander just to see if she was was late and on her way. So, yeah, after realising that she couldn't locate her and she wasn't around... Uh, about 15 minutes had passed at this point she rang the police so she was really worried yeah straight off absolutely um so after making that phone call she went out again to look for lisa and she walked the streets close to the house several times and then she stood on the corner of her street and in christine words uh, she was waiting for a sight of those white boots you know coming up the street uh, at 11.30, an hour after Lisa like, should have been home, Christine saw a police car driving around. And at quarter to 12, Ellen, Lisa's grandmother, called the police again. So at 11.55pm, not 200 yards away, in like a ginnel or alleyway, depending on what you say, behind Rugby Road, and this was actually an alleyway that Christine had walked past three times. Ron Parry and his son Ronald, who was 13, and they'd been walking the dog, they actually found Lisa's body. Oh, God. So 13-year-old Ronald was sent... I didn't know if she was going to still be missing. Well, I didn't no, know. sadly not. Um, so 13-year-old Ronald was sent to raise the alarm and local undertaker Bill Hayes, he'd, who'd also arrived on the scene, he tried to revive Lisa, but it was in vain. Lisa was already dead. So Lisa was found lying on her back. She had been the victim of a violent, sexually motivated attack. She had bruising to her face, like around her eye and her lips, um, bruising to her neck, which appeared to be like in a... Um, I think there was a quote saying it was like a thin, dark line. Like a ligature has been used kind exactly. of Exactly. Um, it was actually her own T-shirt that had been used to strangle her. Her skirt was pushed up against her stomach and her knickers were like ripped apart. So the police um, called Christine because obviously they'd been ringing when she hadn't returned home and they told her that a child had been attacked and, and the child had been taken to Lee Infirmary. So they escorted Christine to the hospital where unfortunately she'd learned the truth. It's just so sad. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah really horrible for all involved. So by the next day, um, the news had spread, you know, in the local area of the murder 
and um, by Monday like Lisa was you know front page news and the media were relentless like and they really dogged Christine sort of tirelessly you know like knocking on the door and things like that um, which is just horrible but locally it was an absolutely massive blow to the town you know it impacted heavily definitely and there was a you know a sense of fear and tensions built in the community like was this a random attack by a passing stranger or was there a killer amongst them now a massive investigation began and the police spoke to loads of people who knew lisa and like, anyone who had seen lisa that night so everyone who'd been at the party with her uh, anyone who'd seen her in the local area but their inquiries um like came to nothing really they didn't they didn't know what happened well they didn't have a clear motive aside from it being a sexually yeah. motivated attack and they didn't have a clear suspect and um, so they com- you know they did like i say a thorough investigation and they completed a walkthrough of lisa's last moments with like a female police officer who favored lisa and who dressed in you know similar clothes to what mm. she was wearing and um, parents were advised you know keep a close eye on your children young people you know should get taxis or be collected yeah don't walk alone um but then a few days later on the 11th of december the police officer in charge of the investigation uh, detective superintendent terry millard who was um at the time i think he was head of uh, the GMP's like, Grace Manchester Police's serious and organised crime squad. He told the public that they should be aware of the possibility that the killer had attacked before and could do it again. So he revealed that three young women had been victims of sex attacks in the previous four months, and that was all within a mile of the location right. of where Lisa was so murdered. So pretty much Lake, be. Yeah, like really close. Yeah. Um, one of them had been just the night before Lisa had been murdered and it was a quarter of a mile from where she died. So they couldn't, like they actually said, they couldn't rule out the fact that this could be the same person. It sounds like it is. It does. So I'm just going to briefly take you through the attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first attack was in August and this was a 20-year-old Carol Gallagher and she'd been on her way home uh, at night to Rugby Road, so the road like behind where Lisa was found. Um, and she was attacked by a man around the same age as her, like 18 to 20 years old. He put his hand over her mouth, dragged her to the ground and threatened to kill her. But she was really savvy and she managed to talk him around and get away. Similar to, I was thinking of this, uh, I can't. I couldn't remember the case that you covered, where one of the victims, like, managed to have a full conversation with him. Um, was it the Camden Ripper? Possibly, yeah. And one of the women was like, "What would your mum think?" Yeah, what you do? yeah. I just couldn't think which case it was, but very. Oh God, yeah. What's his name? I want to say Derek Delroy. 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 There we go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So basically very similar. She was like, uh, why are you doing this? And he, I think he said something along the lines, I can't get a girlfriend. And she was like, well, you're not going to get one like this. Like, this is not the way to go about yeah. it. Um, yeah. And she managed to talk him around and get away. The second attack was on a 16-year-old girl off Mather Lane in Lee. 
and this man exposed himself to the girl, told her that if she screamed he would break her neck. So he roughed her up a bit, pushed her up against a wall, but she managed to like kneem in the bollocks and do one. And that was on September the 2nd. So again, close proximity and close time. The third attack, and I already mentioned this, was the night before the attack on Lisa, so December the 7th. And this was on a 17-year-old girl who was walking along Central Avenue in Lee when, again, a man exposed himself, grabbed her and said, if you make any noise, I'll kill you. But she too managed to give him a swift kick and do one, get away. Yes. Very brave, all of those girls. So was this the same attacker who had killed Lisa? Now, there are similarities in the attacks like the like we've mentioned the location the timing and the victims like lisa had bruising around her mouth um the coroner sort of implied that that could have possibly been from someone clamping down on her mouth like one hand on the ligature the other hand covering her mouth um obviously lisa was slightly younger than the other girls but she does look older than her 14 years yeah. and obviously dressed up for her party. Yeah, some 14-year-olds can look oh, much older. I never used yeah. to get ID'd when I was 14. Like, I used to go to clubs and stuff and I'd never get... Yeah. Like, i easily pass for 18 plus. Yeah, 14, 15, I feel that. Yeah. Because, obviously, that was a couple of decades ago. Um, no. Rude. At least a decade and a bit ago. I didn't get ID'd, but like five years ago I was getting ID'd. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Cause I've been ID'd way more as an adult than I have yeah, as, a, same. as a kid. When I was underage, hardly ever ID'd. And then I think they sort of tightened up Yeah, they did. Things. And I've got a funny story. Now every so often I'll still get ID'd and I'm like, are you taking the piss? I definitely don't get ID'd now. But... <laughs> But I, I've been going to a local club um, regularly, like weekly, because um, they used to have like a party night, which was run by um, Rock FM. Amazing. So you had to ring up to get on the guest list. Um, I mean, like me and my friends used to go pretty much weekly, but and that was well before I was 18. Mm. And then on the day that I turned 18, I went out for a meal with my mates and then we went to the club night and I got ID'd. And the bouncer was like, did a double, like, because obviously he recognised me from regular visits. And he was like looking at me, looking at my, like, my passport and going, it's your birthday today. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, but I was like, oh, come on. Like, (laughs) shocker. I was underage for all that time. Anyway, yeah, but it was funny. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Lisa much like ourselves when we were younger around 14 dressed up and everything she would more than likely pass for 18 plus yeah so yeah so there are these attacks like for me the only differences that i could see were that like there were two the two attacks with him exposing himself and the one attack where he didn't Mm. so like is he learning his trade for want of a better word like hence the small changes yeah. in the attack is he developing his style of attack like either way i think the police were right as you said before to have focused on this person as being high up on the suspect list 
So the police had three witnesses and together they gave detailed descriptions of the attacker. And in January of 1985, they issued a photo kit picture of a five foot nine inch man, um, 20, like 20 year old baby faced person um, who they obviously wanted to speak to as part of their inquiries. And I'll put the photo on the socials on Wednesday, but um, along with Lisa's cool hair, but he's an average looking guy like with dark eyes and and hair yeah it's pretty average looking nondescript really um so yeah lisa's funeral was held on february the 7th of 1985 and the police were present along with hundreds of mourners and they were like you know on the lookout for anyone acting strangely or out of place like they were beyond keen to find the attacker and the pressure was on, um, but that urgency rose in May of 1985 when another woman was attacked. And this was close to the Ginnell, again, behind Rugby Road. So that's like, it was on Book Street. That's where Lisa was last seen yeah, alive. That. And that's like um, where Lisa's body was found um, behind Rugby Road. So it's the fifth attack in the same area, you know, in a quite close time scale as well but this victim was a lot older than the others but it was dark and she actually had her hood up and she's quite a petite lady so like all the other victims were and Lisa was five foot four I believe so from behind the police think that the attacker assumed like because of her dress and her build that she, she was, was likely young. a teenager yeah. Thankfully, she managed to escape because a neighbour like, was driving down the road and illuminated them in the lights. So she was badly bruised, but she survived. So the police increased their efforts again. And as part of their inquiries, they actually, um, I think this was part of the house-to-house -house inquiries, discovered that Lisa had been followed home on the Wednesday prior to her death. Like a man had been seen watching her like earlier in the week, um, I believe like Monday and Tuesday, um, observing her. So they actually like located this man and you know he was questioned and everything, but he was later eliminated from the inquiries. Like the police were more than satisfied that it wasn't him. Um his na his name's never been made public. But I mean I I feel like they wouldn't have just disregarded him. No, if they hadn't he must have fully had some solid. Absolutely. In May of 1987, um, and the, you know, from that, from those two years, not much had happened in the case. They're still looking into things, but they failed to come up with a suitable suspect. Um, Detective Superintendent Alistair McNichol, who was at the time head of Wigan CID and now in charge of Lisa's case, he actually followed like a lead to Liverpool. So he actually interviewed a 32-year-old man from Everton who'd been charged with murdering Agnes Vasco. And she was 84 years old. So, like, the age yeah, didn't... Yeah, that's quite a difference. It is. But she had been found strangled in her home the previous week and there was a suspected link to the other cases. And Liverpool's not too far away. No, not so, so, you know. Anyway, he was arrested, but again, 
disproven like the lead came to nothing and it would seem that unfortunately the case was fully cold now and that basically moves us to 1994 when in July of that year um, the police held a meeting in Newcastle to consider the fact that Lisa could have been the victim of Robert Black you've heard of Robert Black no you have you will have okay um robert black uh had involvement in a lot of similar murders um as well as like murders in lots of different countries but there were actually 10 unsolved abductions and murders in england which had blacks like mo should we say yeah um so lisa was included in those numbers um, but again, unfortunately, it was inconclusive. They couldn't mm. prove she did fit his victim type and his method of killing. Like he would snatch girls and then kill them. Yeah. Um, but like, like I say, it came to nothing. So fully cold case now. Um, and that leads us to February of 2005. And Lisa's case is actually featured on Crime Watch. Uh, it generated lots of new phone calls and tips, but again, nothing concrete that could help with the case. So six years after that Crime Watch appeal um, in 2011, Greater Manchester Police, who, as I said, have been actively working on this cold case, they had a partial DNA sample from Lisa's crime scene. Right. So they decide to use that and they carry out a mass swabbing of men in the Lee and Wigan area, hoping to identify Lisa's killer. But unfortunately, nothing. So thousands of people like had you know, had their DNA taken. Yeah. And still nothing was found that could connect anybody to Lisa's death. And again, you know, I'm, I know we can be pretty harsh on the police at times, but I do feel yeah, they like haven't, they've really, they haven't, like, they haven't. And like I say, they've carried out a thorough investigation um, and they have now like a decent enough sample of DNA that if they got a name, they yeah. would have him. Yeah. That's all they need. But it's 2022 now and they still haven't got anybody. So they've got the DNA. Yeah, does they it? It sounds enough that they could be do like a familial DNA link as well. Absolutely, yeah. That's, yeah. So all they need is for somebody to have like, like this could be solved from somebody getting pulled over for yeah. something, you know, and having, like you said, using familial DNA now. Um, there are lots of there's lots of speculation as to why, you know, for all the police efforts and all the testing that they've done that they haven't been able to find this person. I mean, I guess it's a reasonable assumption to say that he could be dead by now. Yeah. Um, he could possibly live elsewhere and has never been in trouble again. Yeah. You know. Um, or did he pay someone to take the test for him, like Colin Pitchfork did? Yeah. You know, there's lots of lots of speculation and lots of theories that we could discuss. Um, the cold case unit is still actively dealing with Lisa's case. 
Um, the head of the unit is Martin Bottomley. So he's in charge of Lisa's case now. And he was actually there on the night of her attack. So wow. he was a young police officer. Um, and he said it stayed with him. Yeah. So he's like got a real like push to get this person you know um and i've got a quote from him here that says while we have not found the answers yet this case will remain open until lisa's killer is found and brought to justice i think much like the majority of the police that it's extremely likely that lisa's killer was a local man um you know there seems to be a lot of knowledge of local areas yeah i think that it's connected to all the attacks. I think it's definitely. The same yeah, I do. I do. I'd um, be interested to know: Did they get DNA from any of the other attacks? Were they fought him off? You know, like under the fingernails or anything? I couldn't find anything. Yeah, because then you'd think they could link them. Yeah, from stuff. everything that I've read, it's mainly focused on the DNA sample from Lisa. Yeah. Uh, I have found no mention of like supporting DNA yeah. samples from the other attacks. Um, I think, not yeah, thankfully, because they got away yeah. um, and perhaps weren't in that much close contact with him yeah. to, you know, obtain some. Um, yeah, so as I said, I think it's extremely likely that the killer is a local man. There could be many motives, like was it an opportunistic killer? Was it someone who was known to her? Or did they... Like, did Lisa not know them, but they knew Lisa? Was it a stalker of some kind or someone who had, like, an unhealthy fixation on Lisa? Like, what do you you think? Just from what you've told me, I think it was somewhat... It seems to be somewhat opportunistic because, like, I don't think it was a stalker or anything like that. I feel like it's somebody out there looking for girls that they deem vulnerable so young small and mm. um, someone they could overpower yeah and go at taking the opportunities when they arise yeah possibly because all these people were on their own thing, things like that so i think it's um yeah someone stalking the streets looking for yeah the opportunity rather than choosing a victim and waiting for that opportunity because then you'd be like how did you know all of these women and yeah like lisa's the only one that um apparently it was well known that she was attending this other party yeah like rather than the harriers. harriers one so apparently that was well known within her circle of friends yeah. that she like where she would be that night um but then it's like unless they were at the party themselves, how would they know what time she was going to leave? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't feel like the victims were specifically... No. Like, targeted. I feel like who they, they just were just... Yeah. ...fit the, the person that the perpetrator was looking for. True. There is... Um, I was reading one article about this um i think it was on possibly on reddit um or web sleuths and it said that the area where i think is it saint helen's road on one side there's actually like a wooded area right so i know like the locality 
outfits for all for all those victims i wonder if somebody was sort of like stalking that area yeah like outside using just, the woods yeah as, like, as cover yeah and then you know like when they saw someone walk past who mm. fit the target and um, they emerged and, yeah but again it's like that type of um housing like a bit similar you know like when you've got little roads and little ginnels alleyways yeah. going off you would you need a bit of knowledge it's as almost well. like a little rabbit warren yeah kind of thing. but if you're not from the area then you you know like how would you know which way your victim would go yeah you, that makes that really makes me think it's someone local, local. lisa's mum uh christine she very sadly died in June of 2016 um, after, you know, having cancer for a short time. And so she'll never know if her daughter's killer was brought to justice. And I genuinely hope that one day, like Lisa's surviving extended family and her friends, like see the justice that she so rightly deserves and they Definitely. get some kind of closure. Um, I did just want to say, like, it's nice that you know, obviously Lisa's mum and her grandma are no longer with us. I think it's really nice that, you know, there are people like Ryan and Andrea and the other admins of the group on Facebook. Yeah, they They do such a good job to keep the case going, you know, with, like, new information, you know, keeping her in the forefront, you know. Like, yeah. Lisa hasn't been forgotten, and I just think that's lovely. And I guess if anyone knows anything, you know, like get in touch get in touch with the group you know they regularly pass information on to the police or call the cold case squad at, at gmp they mm -hmm. have a, an active line i'll put the links in the sources um there are a number of books that mention lisa's case uh there's one other podcast that i found about it but there's lots of information and as yeah. i said um manchester evening news do some really good coverage oh I'll definitely so, yeah that. i think possibly because it happened a little earlier than I was alive. Maybe I didn't didn't know it because of that, but I think local cases get forgotten though. Yeah. You know, like unless, unless it hits mainstream media yeah. and then it's sort of And I think the only time Lisa really hits mainstream media is when there's like the possibility of it being involved in other cases that yeah. she could be the victim of a more well known serial killer. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for telling me about that one. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, I hope everyone's well and I hope you enjoyed looking into another case. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a break next week, but we will be putting up an episode that we recorded yes. about a month ago. So Yeah, so it might just have us talking about things at the beginning that are completely unrelated to this time span at which it's absolutely true yeah I, yeah think, I think it was around mother's day so i think we talked about mother's day so <laughs> yeah enjoy that um, and then we'll be back the week after with something fresh we will indeed so until then stay safe bye, bye.